0: Now, Tracy Spiby of Murchison East has written a really amazing looking book about her grandfather. And it is going to be launched at the Shepparton RSL this Sunday. It's all about his World War One wartime service. Good morning, Tracy.
1: Good morning, Tyrion. Thank you so much for inviting me in. It's great.
0: My, my pleasure, and thanks for coming in so early on a Monday morning of all mornings.
1: Not a problem. So, this
0: is very exciting for you. You're not a writer by trade, no. and you've, you've spent years researching this topic, and you've put together this book, which, as I said, is being launched at the RSL this Sunday. So, tell us a bit about your grandfather and what he did.
1: Well, my grandf- I didn't know my grandfather. He died when I was six and my parents had already moved up to Kyabram. But I was always known from the family histories that he was in both wars. Um, and what always amazed me about him the most is the fact that he went to the First World War, which I knew about. I knew he'd been at some, at Pozieres and Passchendaele, but I didn't know much about him when I was younger because it was only Gallipoli that was ever really talked about in those days. And then I knew that he'd gone after that to Changi, because he lied about his age for the Second World War. He was too old for it, but he lied and he enlisted, he volunteered to go over to fight in the Second World War, leaving behind his wife and five children. I thought, why would you do that? You know, you've been through the hell of the First World War, you come home, you go through the Depression, times are tough. I understand that, but then why would you then lie about your age and then go and leave your wife and five kids and go and fight another war just to end up in Changi?
0: Did you find the answer to that question, I, Tracy?
1: I believe I have. I don't know. I will never know, but I think I did, and I think it, a lot of it was to do with um, with money. I think partially because, as I say, he'd gone through the First World War, then he went through the Depression, and his first child, he got when he got back from the first first world war, he was married in 22. His first child was born in 24. The depression hit. Um, he had five kids all up, and I know that they lost their house. Ended up going and living with um, his wife's sister. And times were tough, and I know he had to. He applied for the Susso to get a shovel because he was late he was a labourer and he used to shovel coal at the on the wharves. And he had to. He couldn't even afford the shovel. And I do believe that um, because. Because of the First World War, he did have a lot of um, nightmares and things, and lot went on. but and because he was still trying to seek support for that, but I think that he turned to drink a little bit, potentially, because there was a few room, family rumours and things about that. and then I think that he um because of the soldiers got more money than um, then people on the wharf type things, so he joined up for that, I believe, but I don't know for sure.
0: You've obviously got an uh, an interest in family history. At what point did you think you might be able to make a book out of it?
1: Well, (laughs) the reality was I got involved in family history like most people do. I went down too many branches, far too many branches, and got completely confused and overwhelmed because in those days there was no Ancestry.com, there was no um, NAA or anything you get on the web. It was all you find a one birth certificate, then you're right away for another one and you wait for that to come back to find the next one and off you go. And I got bored, so I kept going down all different branches and then I decided, you know what, this is ridiculous. I need to actually pull back and just focus on one person. And the reason I focus on him, as I mentioned, he's always fascinated me and also because I've got a... Um, I was entrusted a few years ago with a family memorabilia and in amongst that were two boxes of letters that he wrote to his wife from Malaya in 1941, 1942, and also some from 1945. So that was just, for me, was absolutely, there's about 100 letters, including, including um, some postcards from the Japanese when he was there. What could you glean about what sort of a person he was from those letters? And that's the thing, I really, really got a feel for him. And because I thought, well, I'm going to have to actually write down his history because this man is just too amazing, I can't, it's too important to lose. So I decided to write it down. Um, and because I had those letters, I decided that if I'm going to do both wars, one, you know, one book, the two wars, and because I had all those letters, I thought I would do the First World War as a series of letters as well, so I could then carry it through to the two, two wars in the one book. Um, and I, I really did get a feel for what he was like or I imagined it or whatever, I don't know, but I just felt I could do it. And, and for me, writing the letters, this book is written as a series of letters that he wrote to his parents. They're imagined. But I know some people that have read it didn't realise that they thought they were diary entries because they were day to day. Because I sort of also felt that A lot of people know lots about the war, you know about the trenches, you know about this, you know about that, but what was it really like to be in there? So
0: you were able to sort of use his voice and kind of juxtapose that with the actual events that were going on and put a real human face on it?
1: Yes, what it was really like. And also within that, when I was doing the research, I come across so much of the callous incompetence of the British generals and the way they were treated, the more... I research the angrier I got, and the more like you're kidding me, how could you do that type thing to people? And so the book is also talks a lot about what was going on around, like it explains the ins and outs a little bit of of Court and Posiers and Passiondale. But it's not actually a war book if you want to read a war book with a, with a blow by blow battle by battle explanation of the war there's a lot of other books out there that do that this is not that and i'm not a military historian i don't profess to be but this is just told from one person's view what it was a, what it was like
0: and you've um, and you've said he's not a hero in the traditional no, sense
1: no no he's not a hero he didn't he didn't win awards he didn't win anything he did what thousands of others did he did his job ...because we all hear about the heroes and what they did and how they did it... ...but that, in a lot of ways, is, is heroic, without any doubt... ...but it's only a snapshot. People don't realise, including myself... ...that these men went through one hell after another for four years. It wasn't just one, one off. It was just ongoing. On Every time I wrote something about this was the biggest battle... ...and this was the biggest bombardment... ...and this was the most horrific... ...next thing, the next battle... I'm saying the same thing, it, this was even bigger. And the fact that just so much was done to people unnecessarily, like the fact that so many people died was just ridiculous, it didn't it did not need to happen. they were just wasted, absolutely wasted. And they all volunteered, they didn't have to go. I mean we all volunteer for things in our community. But we, would we volunteer if we knew we were going to die?
0: Yeah, it's very hard for us to imagine now and in, yep. in this time and place what that was like. But they obviously had all sorts of different pressures on them and but Financial being one of them, as you've said.
1: That was for the Second World War. Yep. The First World War, I believe, was just everybody else was gone. And no one to start with thought it was going to take that long. No. That's the first lot. But after Gallipoli, they did know what was going on and they were still you know, signing up in 1917 and 1918. Propaganda is a very powerful tool. Oh, yes. (laughs) That's the problem in Australia. The facts weren't told because the media was all controlled by the government and you weren't allowed to say anything that was detrimental to the war effort or that would impact on recruiting, which were the facts, what was happening. So it's just, as you say, it was propaganda. But you can't dispute the letters that people got. You can't propagandise the fact no, that, you know, no, that was and the way they people saw it. still knew a little bit about what was going on.
0: Blends a real authenticity to it, doesn't it? Absolutely. So you've got a whole lot of your family coming to the launch. How has yeah, it been cool. received by the family?
1: Really good. They, um, I've only got cousins left, all past, children have all passed, um, but there's quite a few cousins. They're coming from all over the place, which is really good. I've already got a cousin in um, in Perth that's already ordered three books, So, <laughs> so it's going to be good.
0: So what were you really hoping to achieve by this book? I mean, obviously you wanted uh, to, you know, tell his story, but what, what's the broader aim, do you think?
1: I hope people will actually understand what war is and what it's like. I mean, people, I'm really glad now that, as Brian Burrell was saying before, your, your previous... Um, Sam Burrell, yeah. Sam, I'm so sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, he was saying about how Tongala and other towns are getting funding to update their memorials. Well I am so pleased about that and the fact that uh, remembrance day and Anzac day are now so big because years ago when I was growing up in in years in my form 5 we did a book called one hell of a um, one day of of the year and it was basically to get rid of Anzac day because it was the only way for the old soldiers to get drunk and play tour, because it was Vietnam and so everything to do with war was was bad no one wanted anything to do with it it was never mentioned it was never talked about it was bad Just get rid a lot of, of shame of a lot of shame yeah and I just think that now people, when they go to Anzac Day Ceremonies and go to Remembrance Day Ceremonies, and they often wear their medals, but do they really understand what those medals mean? Do they really understand what those men went through and how, and just what they went through? Because I certainly didn't. The more I read them and the more I found out, I thought, this is unreal. I just hope that people do understand what these men fought for and what it what the word sacrifice actually means. It wasn't just sacrificing your life. It was sacrificing so terribly much more.
0: And you've obviously been uh, well received by the RSL too, if you're launching your book there.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm really pleased with their support. They've been absolutely great.
0: uh, So you're going to do a bit of a reading from your book and also um, sign some copies and hopefully sell some copies. And that is this Sunday... Correct. Two at o'clock. Two o'clock at the RSL. Mm-hmm. And if people uh, can't maybe get to the launch, but they would like to know more about your book, what should they do, Tracy?
1: Best thing is to have a look on the website. And on the website, there's a contact the author. I've got an email, which is Tracy T R A C W E S P I B Y at no dot com dot au is it is the web address, and the email is E at dot a u, and they can contact me and I'm happy to um, to sign any books that, that they want and then post them out um, as many as they want or yeah, be great.
0: So uh, the author's name as you just heard is Tracy Spivey. I mispronounced it earlier and I stand corrected. Tracy Spivey, the book is One Hell at a Time which is a good title.
1: Yeah, because it was, it was one hell after another, yes. it didn't stop.
0: And the launch is this Sunday at and RSL at 2pm, did you say? Mm-hmm. So go along if you can, or I think if you just Google Tracy... With two Spiby. E's. Yeah, Tracy with two E's, e's. Spiby, S-P-I-B-Y. You'll find uh, all that information. Well, good on you, Tracy. Hats off to you. It's not easy to write a book and it's r- really well put together book. It looks really good. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but it looks really good. You've got some great photos in there, fantastic information. And um, I imagine, you know, moving f- sort of from the letters, the authentic voice to the history, it's really readable and accessible for people mm. as well.
1: Yes, I try to make it very readable for any age
0: fantastic good on you tracy and
1: all the best with the launch on sunday thanks heaps terry i appreciate the time this station
0: fm 98.5 subscribes to the broadcasting community code of practice the code of practice is a set of agreed standards that have been developed by community radio stations across australia they reflect the unique principles of community broadcasting and guide stations in a whole range of activities including complaints handling and australian
2: music content if you'd like a copy of the code please contact us during business hours and we will mail a copy to you some ATVs are simply made tougher than others, like the Segway Snarler. Yep, Snarler. All muscle, government approved. Available in short and long wheelbase and built for the toughest Australian conditions. Or there's the Segway Fugelman side-by-side. Powerful 1,000cc motor, huge performance and unrivaled safety. So, two great workmates, the choice is yours. Check out the Segway Snarler and Segway Fugelman at Sheppard Motorcycle and Power Equipment for Nala Road Shepparton or visit sheppartonmpe.com.au MPE.com.au. T 11819
0: one of sponsor having trouble with your internet has the nbn failed you are you only able to get the slow satellite nbn with very limited data are you not able to get the nbn at all starlink is the answer this is a standalone internet system that i personally use at home and have tested at speeds of over 250 megabytes a second if you are fed up with slow unreliable internet then call us now and book a service call to see if starlink is right for you Jason's TV, 0403 688 666. 1FM Sponsor.
2: Have you ever been to the Nathalia Nursery? You know, at Number 6 Railway Street, Nathalia? Hop in and say day At Nathalia Nursery, we like growing a bit of everything. We have a large variety of plants, including succulents, natives and perennials. We love our fuchsia, pelagoniums, geraniums, hydrangeas, as well as lots of different salvias that we grow. And our hope is that you will too. We're open Thursday to Sunday, 10am to 4pm. Don't forget we also stock tube stock, punnets of flowers and veggies. Nathalia Nursery, well worth the trip. 1FM's sponsor. Let Merit Funeral Services take the stress out of your funeral arrangements. Whether you're looking to prepay a funeral, arrange a bond, or pre-arrange a complete funeral, Merit Funeral Services are just a phone call away. They can even come direct to you anywhere across the region to help walk you through the process, each and every step of the way. With more than forty years industry experience, expect nothing less than service and advice that exceeds your expectations. Let Merit Funeral Services take care of everything. Phone 58251651. 1FM One Sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM Podcast.